Hey, it's Stephanie, and this is Kids These Days, a podcast brought to you by grant funding from the Kansas Department for Children and Families. Hey everyone, it's Haney, and I am here with another Back to Basics episode. This one is really a topic that's one of my favorites, and it is a common spot that you'll hopefully see in many early childhood environments. I'm sure the title gives it away, but it's safe spaces. You might also hear them being called a calm down corner, a cozy corner, or any of the other 15 different variations on the same title. But this week, I'm going to break down how to set up a good safe space, and the next week we'll talk a little bit more about what to do with it. As in like the interactions and interactions to really make it a successful spot and not just another corner of your room. I'll also start out this episode by really acknowledging that we have many different types of listeners. I know that we've got early childhood folks, professionals, elementary teachers, practitioners, and parents even. The cool part about a safe space is that it's not just something that can go into a classroom or left to the professionals. It can go anywhere. So I'm going to try really hard to make sure that my language matches. And so I'm going to say environments because that may be in a child's home or in a classroom, a home child care environment, or maybe even you might make a mobile one. That can go anywhere. It can go in the car. It can go to the park. It can it can be um, transportable, I should say. Now, if you don't know what a safe space is, that's okay too. And maybe that's why you're listening. And that's also great. So we're going to break it down in a little bit. Uh, we're going to break it down a little bit more in this episode. And when I break it down, I do want to preface it with this. In saying that no two safe spaces will look the same. They're, they're kind of like snowflakes. <laughs> so I know that, you know, we could have similar materials that are helpful in the areas, but there is no one cookie cutter setup. Everybody's going to be different. And as with all things in early childhood, we modify our environments and materials to meet our kiddos where they're at. So Some children may need more options from material A, while some may need material B. And at the end of the day, like I always say, you know your children best. Do what works for you and what meets their needs. So I've taken a lot of information for this week's episode and next week's from Conscious Discipline's book, Creating a School Family. And if you've never looked at this book before, read through it, or heard about Conscious Discipline even... I highly recommend giving the book a read, clicking around their website, reading a couple of their other ones. Um, You know, it just, they've got so much information and it's so useful. It's so practical. It's so hands-on. It not only like helps you understand what emotion regulation is, but then it gives you really practical, hands-on ways to support teaching children about emotional regulation. And really, this episode and the next, these two episodes are just the tip of the iceberg. 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 (laughs) The book uh, and Conscious Discipline, the whole program of Conscious Discipline, goes so much more in depth. There's no way that I can do it justice in just the short 15 minutes today, short short 15 minutes next week. There's no way. It goes so much deeper than that. But 
I do want to hit the highlights um, and make sure that you're, you've got at least the foundation for knowing what it is. Okay, so back to safe space. To quote from a text, it says, safe space represents a sacred space where children are instructed, encouraged, and supported in attending to their own emotional upsets through self-regulating activities. It's a voluntary structure they are free to use ne- they are free to use as needed and can use for as long as needed. So that's the quote about exactly from conscious discipline what they say safe space is. Basically, it means that there's a spot in your environment that children can go to as they need to based on their own emotional levels and needs. We see so many times where children get overwhelmed with those big feelings, right? Whether it's frustration, upset, anger, whatever it may be. And often they could benefit from a physical reminder of how to work through those upsets in some acceptable ways. Just like we know the importance of hands-on play, learning how to regulate emotions needs to have those tangible reminders as well. Those visual supports, those hands-on reminders of how to, how, to, how to react and how to act. And also note in that sentence that I read from the book, it says that it's voluntary. This means, this means that safe space is not a time out. It is not used as a punishment for children to go to when they're having unwelcome behavior. The whole like, do you need to go to safe space or you need to spend five minutes in safe space and sending them there totally defeats the purpose. When we force children to go to our safe space in our attempt, and and I do understand that it is an attempt to aid in that regulation, we're really just punishing them. And then we slide backwards down the hill toward regulation development. So with safe space, choice is important. They need to be able to choose to go to safe space, not to be told they have to go to safe space and spend a certain amount of time there, right? Because when we have choice, it helps children to build that innate capacity for self-control because Even though their behavior may not always show it, we may not always see it, they really truly want to be successful, to belong, and to feel safe. They are, I promise you, they are motivated for self-control, belonging, and competence. Some just need a little bit longer than others to figure out how to do that. So we use safe space by introducing its purpose. We have intentional time that's set aside to sit our children down, whether one-on-one, large group, small group, whatever it may be, and we explain what it's for and how to use it. We can say, okay, my friends, we have a new area of our classroom that you can choose to use at any time. If you're overwhelmed or angry or upset or feeling scared or just need a little breather for a bit, you can come to this new spot in the corner. See how it has these comfy pillows and is out of the way of traffic? That's so you can totally focus on yourself and your reasons for being in the spot. I've also included some cool toys and materials to help you feel better. Let's look at those and talk about how we might use them. Okay, intro, example intro. But in that safe space, we're putting it in an area that's out of the direct pathways of other activities going on in the room, but... It's still in the environment. 
That's because we don't want children to confuse being removed or removing themselves with just a protected space to work on self-regulation. We're also making sure that children know their time in the safe space is protected. They can stay as long as they feel they need to be in the area. Sometimes it's set up like a physical structure, like a cube or a hidey hole that they can contain themselves in. Or it's an open carpet with maybe some baskets of materials or a couch or a chair or even just a spot on the carpet. Remember when I said earlier, there's no cookie cutter version and there really isn't. It just needs to be set up in a way that that's cozy and inviting. Think of your favorite, like think of your favorite furniture. Maybe it's a couch or a comfy chair. Maybe you've got a spot in your home that you love to snuggle up and read a good book or watch TikTok videos for a couple of hours, (laughs) whatever it is. You look forward to spending time in that area because it's welcoming, it's comfortable, and it's inviting for you. Then we set them up for success by helping those children move through the four steps of self-regulation. First is I calm. Second is I feel. Third is I choose. And fourth is I solve. But because this episode is all about setting up that physical environment, I'm going to save those for the next episode. Gotcha, a little spoiler alert, but that'll be in the next one. So this time we'll look at what to add. And then next time, we'll look at how to use it. So our biggest goal is to make everything totally accessible, hands-on, and visual. That's always such a big one, right? The visual, the hands-on. Remember, our children learn through their senses. And so we need to have lots and lots of prompts to support that. As they get older, yeah, they're able to internalize the behaviors as they gain more experience. But for our kiddos that are six and under, we need to have many, many reminders set up that are both hands-on and visual. Okay, so some materials we can add to help with the sensory input. So for touch, we have soft textures, blankets, maybe some weighted lap animals or squishies, or other options for ways we can impact their body. Right? Those sensory seekers. If you've never heard of sensory seeking, I challenge you to Google it. You will go down a wormhole. (laughs) Right? But tightness, weight, texture, vibration can all aid in soothing through that touch input. And for sight, we already know the importance of visual aids. But we also could include sensory bottles, reducing the bright fluorescent lighting maybe that's common in our environments even having some visuals that might be are appealing to the eye, maybe some landscape pictures or some pictures of some puppies or kittens or whatever it may be, <laughs> right? And then sound, oh gosh, oh man, the impact of noise, right? The difference between a loud rap song and quiet, smooth jazz, obvious. But, well, we need to think about that for our safe space areas too. Early childhood environments, they can get noisy. So think about some options like maybe some noise-canceling headphones, soothing music, nature sounds, even getting some recordings of parent voices to help with missing loved ones. Smell. Smell can have a huge impact on our ability to self-regulate too. 
And I think it's one that, that we could miss a lot and that we do miss a lot. Remember, our young children are just looking for sensory input and then they can sort out their own calming strategies with a little support. It's easy to think about the tactile, the visual, the sound, but smell is important too, right? So we could add some lotions, have some scratch and sniff stickers, maybe use essential oils that could go on a few cotton balls. I always put them in old um, like spice jars, um, like those ones that you can flip the lid and it has the, has the holes in them so they're still kid safe. I've even seen like the aromatherapy diffusers used. And research tells us that when you use smells like peppermint, basil, lemon, cinnamon, and rosemary, it helps with mental alertness, while lavender, chamomile, orange, and rose can calm the nerves and encourage relaxation. Again, totally up to you and the needs of your children for what you use and how you use it. One other part of that that I would add to the safe space in addition to that physical space, the cozy materials, and the sensory input supports, is another visual, which is the school family. I'd encourage you to have your family pictures posted in or as near as possible to that safe space. So that way, when your kiddos do get upset, they can have a reminder of what is usually one of the biggest calming supports, which is their family. They might use that picture that's posted there to be reminded of their mom or grandparent or maybe even their favorite teacher which that's you by the way probably you and that can aid in self-regulation as well it can give a visual to some connection to ground them when they're not being very grounded okay so we know the basics of setting up a safe space that's really it We didn't do too bad in, what, 12 minutes, 13 minutes? That's the basics. And remember the highlights. It's an area that children can choose to go to that is outside of normal classroom traffic that has the supports they need to go from working in their brainstem to working in their frontal cortex. A space where they can go from feelings of overwhelm, upset, angry, or sad to feelings of ready to positively engage in the tasks at hand. It's warm and inviting and has an arrangement and materials that children can use to work through those big feelings and self-regulate. Okay, that's it. Easy peasy. You can do it. So when you hear from me again, we'll learn about how to use that awesome setup. And until next time, I wish you well. Kids These Days is a co-production of the Casido Kids Infant Toddler Specialist Network and Casido Workforce Development Programs. These programs are supported through a grant from the Kansas Department for Children and Families, Child Care, and Early Education Services. However, information or opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the position or policy of the agency and no official endorsement should be inferred. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or want to share your practice related to this or a previous episode, please email us at kidsthesedayspod at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at at kidsthesedayspod. Be sure to check out the resources for this episode in the show notes. And don't forget to rate, review, and hit subscribe. 
This episode was written, recorded, and edited by Stephanie Haney and music track Hackbeat by Kevin McLeod.